0: This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence.
1: Hello, and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, Spectators' Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Balls, and I'm joined by Isabel Hardbin and James Versailles. The Sue Gray Report has finally been published well,
2: can you talk us through some of the main points? So it's a, it's a curious report in lots of ways. It, it makes very grim reading, but not for the conclusions that she reaches, which are quite sort of restrained, I think it's fair to say, and quite civil service-y. That she obviously doesn't say, you know, the Prime Minister should resign, he's a very bad man or anything like that. But But what is, I think powerful about it is the way in which it lists all the events that Sue Gray investigated and then the details of those events. So the party, for instance, where someone accidentally set off a panic alarm and the police were called and found everyone there and then apparently just went off without doing anything about it. The emails and the WhatsApp messages where aides such as Lee Kane question whether it's a good idea to be having a party, and um, the Prime Minister's Principal Private Secretary, Martin Reynolds, is quite clearly keen to, to push ahead with a, a proper party. And then a message that he sends after said party saying, I think we got away with it, a party at which someone was sick, uh, another party where red wine was um, found splashed on a wall the next day, particularly devastating paragraph I think about levels of rudeness towards security guards and cleaners and so on which I think is is a slightly separate issue I think to probably lockdown parties in that it may well be a prevalent culture regardless of the, the Covid restrictions that were being flouted and then in terms of her actual conclusions about it she Basically, says the senior leadership at the centre, both political and official, must bear responsibility uh, for this culture. And that culture that she talks about is one of believing that the events were permitted when they were not in line with the rules and of, indeed, a number of people knowing they weren't in line with the rules and continuing. And uh, she makes the point that whatever the initial intent, what took place at many of these gatherings and the way in which they developed was not in line with COVID guidance at the time. So it's in a sense that there, there are a few sort of big surprises in there, but the details in terms of the karaoke machines and things that I've just listed do bring it all back to people. I think in a way that for a lot of people who have made big sacrifices in the pandemic will find very upsetting again.
1: James, what was your reaction on reading the report, I had one former minister say to me, it's not as bad as they thought it would be. I think that's more because they thought it would be incredibly bad as opposed to the report being good. But what do you think? I
0: I think the report doesn't contain a kind of new bombshell revelation that is going to put fresh pressure on the Prime Minister. It's more fleshing out details, which are, as Isabel says, shocking about what went on. But I think we had a sadly good idea that rules had been breached, and also that people had left the mess for other people to clear up in in, in, in more ways than one. And you look, you read through this report, you've got people leaving the building at 4.20am, you know, it's not particularly um impressive. But I don't think the report has dramatically worsened Boris Johnson's position. There are pictures that go alongside it, but the, the, the pictures are... I think in some ways, almost rather pathetic. The pictures of the of, of, of the event for which Boris Johnson was fined in the cabinet room—it looks like a kind of, almost kind of rather kind of slightly, um, almost kind of uh, kind of enforced office socialising occasion rather than anything else. There are more pictures from that Lee Cain leaving do, but again, they are kind of. Very similar, kind of lots of blurred out figures and the Prime Minister holding up a glass, essentially. So I, I, don't, I don't think there is any new bombshell in here. But I think it is still shocking to see the details of these events set out in that very particular civil service prose in which Sue Gray writes.
1: Isabel, it's one of the issues here. James mentioned the fact that clearly there's damaging details in the report. If you look at how cleaners are apparently treated, members of the security staff. We talked about, you know, leaving at 30 a.m., but also, for example, uh, if you look at one of the messages the number 10 a, is supposed to have sent ahead of the bring-your-own-booze-garden party suggesting it might be a good idea if people didn't wave wine bottles around given a press conference was just completing. So there's, there's plenty of embarrassing and quite worrying details details but do you think one of the things perhaps it suffered from, from when we're talking about the reaction so far from Tory MPs is the fact it was hyped up so much so everyone's saying oh there's going to be all of these pictures and as James says the pictures are, are not perhaps the pictures you might expect from some of the reports we've read.
2: Yes there was a moment in the Commons which I'm sure we'll get onto that in more detail in a second where Ian Blackford the SNP leader who's um never known for his restraint uh, when he asks questions, described the parties as featuring debauchery, which, I mean, y- y- regardless of what you think of the descriptions of the parties that are written down, those pictures do not depict debauchery by any definition that that I know. I mean, he's clearly got quite a sort of um, restrained view of what debauchery is, um, if he thinks so, that's the case. So, yes, I think there's a sort of... Uh, we talk a lot in politics about expectations management and... People who know that something could be bad for them will always overhype it in the run up to that. And we saw plenty of briefings like that in the run up to it. You know, he'll probably have to resign and that sort of thing uh, when in the event the report is, as we've said, not devastating in that way. I wonder whether it's actually the attitude that the prime minister has taken in response to the report in his statement this afternoon. He's obviously got a meeting later today with Conservative MPs and also the way in which a number of backbenchers are quite clearly... Setting up the scene for to move on to the privileges committee inquiry into whether he deliberately misled Parliament uh, with his assertions about there being no party, there were a number of questions on that today from Robert Buckland from John Baron and so on. I wonder whether that's where we'll see the the drama rather than in the pages of this report as as many people had perhaps wrongly given it was being led by a civil servant come to expect. Uh. James,
1: let's talk about the debate, as well mentioned, in the Commons Chamber. The Prime Minister gave a statement. He said he was humbled. Did he appear humbled to you?
0: I think it was an interesting definition of humbled. I think he was very keen to get on the attack and go after Keir Starmer. This was not this... And what wh- was his What was his
1: nickname for uh, Keir Starmer? Uh, It's
0: Starmer? It's a Korma... Uh, Sabir, was it Sabir Korma. Korma? Or, yeah, Sabir, Sabir yeah, Korma. Yeah. There we go. Um, And I think you could see Tory MPs exchanging glances at that as to whether this was perhaps a tone that demonstrated it it was hardly self-flagellation. I think that the biggest question and danger for Boris Johnson is his Privileges Committee investigation into whether he misled the House or not when he's spoken about the Covid rules being followed in Downing Street previously. And I think that 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 is going to be the most difficult moment for him because I thought it was very telling only 13 Tory MPs wanted to take part in today's statement now some of them like Tobias Elwood wanted to do that to to, to go after the prime minister, but you know, I, I mean, the, the still it is still the loudest sound in Westminster is the silence of Tory MPs. The vast majority of them don't want to say anything about Partygate, one way or the other. You know, but, the, yes, there are some ministers who've been busy tweeting this afternoon. Some backbench MPs, such as Natalie Elphick in the chamber, you know, who want to go out and aggressively defend Boris Johnson. Then there are some who want to call for him to go. But the vast majority of the Tory party is, is trying to keep their head down. The thing is that for those MPs who end up on the Privileges Committee, and I don't think people are exactly, uh, with the exception of Laura Farris exactly eager to be on the on this committee for this particular inquiry, they will have to make a decision. Right? The, the silence for them will not be an option, and that, that is why I think this inquiry holds danger for Boris Johnson. I mean, you can see, though, I thought it was quite interesting in his statement, he is clearly already beginning to think about that, because he was already trying to explain that when he had offered the House these assurances, he had done so because he was passing on assurances that he had been given. So therefore, what he had said was accurate to his knowledge at the time. I still think that he needs to do a better job of explaining if that was the case, why he did not uh, if you inadvertently mislead the House of Minister, you're meant to come to the House and correct the record as quickly as possible. I, I think it has been obvious before today that not all the COVID rules were followed in Downing Street. And I think he, he still needs to do a better job of explaining why he didn't move faster to correct the record.
1: Isabel, yes, I'm sure some listeners are thinking, well... We heard that if Boris Johnson received a police fine, that would be a crunch point. We heard the local election be a crunch point. We heard the Sue Gray report would be a crunch point. Why would the Privileges Committee be any different? Do you think MPs are just likely to always walk back from the
2: brink? Yeah, it's a really interesting question that ties into the wider question of will Boris Johnson always get away with it? And uh, the it applies not just to party gate, but just his, his general demeanour in life, I think. And in a sense, yes, obviously, as you say, that that they are sort of moving on to the privileges committee now as their focus. But I wonder whether—and this was the subject of Prime Minister's questions today—whether it's the cost of living plus his eroded authority and the lack of goodwill towards him on the backbenches that may be the the thing that becomes the the major problem as opposed to the the privileges committee inquiry. But it is. It is worth taking a step back and thinking that five, six years ago, it would have been extraordinary to have accusations of lying against a prime minister being made so regularly in the Commons that not only does Speaker Lindsay Hall have to remind MPs to moderate their language rather than what speakers normally do, which is just to tell them to stop making strange sort of cow-like noises of support or heckling, but also... That in the debate about the referral to the Privileges Committee, he allowed MPs to use the word liar. And this is not normal. And it's an extraordinary state of affairs that we have a prime minister who is under investigation for having potentially lied to the House of Commons um, and who has been found by the police to have broken the law.
1: Now, James, in terms of hurdles for the rest of the day, and of course, things get particularly dramatic, we may bring you a second coffee house shots. But just thinking ahead, the Prime minister's giving a press conference and then also it's addressing Tory MPs. Do we have any sense what type of tone he's going to take? Because last time around, when Boris Johnson apologised after he received a fixed penalty notice, he was quite solemn in the chamber arguably more solemn than he was today and then he cracked quite a few jokes.
0: I think he would be well advised when he addresses Tory MPs later today to not only repeat his apology but to apologise for them that they have ended up having to deal with angry constituents about this and to having to explain to people what happened and what went on because I think Tory MPs overwhelming emotion about the story is a is a desire for it to go away and the problem for them is it's not going away in that we still got this privileges committee investigation to come and so it's not even like today they can go home pour themselves a drink and say god that was awful but that's now done there is still one more hurdle or even one more part of this process to go through i think he would be well advised to try and say to them that you know he gets what he's put them through I think that the the issue with Boris Johnson is he finds maintaining this contrite tone for uh, any period of time quite difficult I mean you saw that in the chamber today which is he did kind of a a brief bit of contrition and then it was straight off to to Sabir Korma right and it was we talked about this the the other day on the podcast you know last time around he he lost Steve Baker by being too too bullish when he talks to Tory MPs and so I think you have to have to kind of Find a way to handle that aspect. And then I think the other thing he's got to do is, ultimately, Tory MPs have this extremely transactional relationship with him. And I think that the biggest risk to him, even more than privileges or anything like that, is ultimately if Tory MPs start to decide that they're not going to win the next election under him. So the question then becomes, you know, what can he do, given especially that we've got two by-elections next month for the Tories expected to do very badly, which, which will concern two different types of Tory MPs. How is he planning to, to show them that he can still win again?
1: Thank you, James. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening.